Good morning, brothers and sisters in Christ. Today is the 10th day of our enhanced community quarantine. This is a pre-recorded message, and I hope all is well with you. You know, crisis is a normal part of human life. Um, if we do not face crisis, then that is abnormal, that is unusual. So whether we're young or old, crisis will be something that we will face at a certain point in our life. And so as uh, believers of Christ, you know, we would like to always extend a helping hand to those who suffer in crisis, right? To be able to give comfort, give guidance, give help or support. But what if you are on the other end of the crisis? You are the one receiving help and support. This is something that we do not want to experience. When uh, crisis befell us, we fall ill, uh, we have loss, we suffer, we have uh, problems. We wish that it did not happen to us, that we are on the receiving end of the help. But when we overcome, when we uh, move uh, beyond the crisis, then we become better in helping people. Because aside from extending help, now we're able to understand people going through difficult times. We're able to give more concrete advice, more holistic inputs. No, and uh, Henry Nowen calls this in his book, Becoming a Wounded Healer, a person who was once wounded, just like Christ, so that they can bring forth words of healing to others, right? So despite we are in a situation of crisis, we hope that it will become uh, an opportunity for us to become better in helping others as followers of Jesus. Now we look at this crisis on an even wider scale. How do we respond as Christians, not only on personal crisis, but when crisis is as big as what we have right now? So when we look at the Philippines today, now it's already the 10th day of our enhanced community quarantine, and this is necessary because if we don't do this, the World Health Organization has predicted that it's a, in a matter of weeks, we could have more than 75,000 infections, and it will be unstoppable, and the Philippines will be in utter trouble. Okay, And so we see that there is difficulty right now in the first week in terms of statistics. You know, patients are uh, increasing. Uh, PUMs and PUIs are on the increasing. Uh, some are losing their lives in terms of uh, the logistics of it. All also have difficulty managing the people, managing the groceries, the supermarkets. There are so many things happening around us. And the government is doing their best, but it is not easy during this situation. And what's uh, more uh, difficult is that millions of eyes are at home watching, waiting, watching waiting, watching, and waiting. And sometimes the waiting you know, drives you uh, to the end of your wits. What will happen to us? Will there be a massive, even a, a graver panic in the weeks to come? Well, we will know in a matter of two weeks, okay? Because all the quarantine, we will see who is infected, who is not, right? So this is the situation we are in. There is panic, there is fear, there is devastation. So aside from this, we also come to terms with the dark side of humanity. Do we have a society that still has a conscience? Uh, um, 
the past few days, uh, we were trying to communicate with some of our doctors, alumni from our school, and we realized that most of the government hospitals do not have adequate PPEs, prote uh, personal protective equipment, to help them protect them from uh, getting sick from the virus as they help. They don't have the face mask, the full body suits, uh, even alcohol is out of supply. And that is sad because despite lots of money has been poured into this project, we have run out of the things that are essential to help our frontline medical workers because people went on survival mode, everyone to himself. So they started panic buying, finishing up all the medical supplies, hoarding it in their own homes. And that is sad in a way because there is uh, this uh, selfishness in our midst who thinks that ah, I have to protect myself, I have to buy and supply for myself without thinking about the community at large, right? And the worst case is there are people who even dare to take advantage of the fear and the panic to make a profit. Now, I heard that uh, the mask today that costs 50 pesos is now selling at 750 per box if you're able to find it. That's wow. Uh, more than 10 times of its value. And uh, we wonder what kind of society do we live in? So brothers and sisters, as we look to Christ during this difficult time, I would like you to ask you this, this question, where does your faith and life or practice of your faith intersect? Are they separate for you? Are you a Christian only a Sunday morning or when you're with Christian friends, but when you do and live out your life, you are a totally different person. You take advantage of situations like this to make a profit. Everyone is feeling desperate and fearful in this time. I see people na may konting parang mainit lang yung katawan nila. They're thinking maybe I am infected when they're not because of the hot weather. Okay, uh, all are very fearful. Umubuka lang, tatakbuhan na yung mga tao because of the situation of the spread, and even if you see the vivid pictures that happened in Wuhan in Italy, right? So this is really a time of waiting for us, watching, waiting, watching, and waiting. And I wonder if you're at home, what does this watching and waiting mean to you? Maybe you took the time to relax, rest, or maybe you took the time to, you know, regain a... Uh, your family relationships, to clean up the mess in your house, uh, to do some meaningful things you have put aside for a long time. I wonder if you're doing that. And more important is, what are you waiting for? Or even, who are you waiting for? Are we waiting for the crisis to end? Or are we waiting for God's glory to happen? Now, a, a little background on our passage on Psalms chapter 46. Okay, in our passage, uh, the situation was about King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat was one of the good kings of Israel. He is the son of um, Asa. And uh, the situation was he was attacked by three of Israel's enemies at the same time. The Moabites, the Ammonites, and also the Edomites. Um, if you're familiar with the Old Testament story, we will see that Ammon and Moab are descendants of Lot, 
with the incestuous relationship with his daughters. And on the other hand, we see uh, the Edomites are actually um, descendants of Esau. So these were actually the enemies of Israel and they were attacking the city all at the same time. But because of the grace of God, they saw a divine intervention happen. The city was safe and the story is recorded in Second Chronicles chapter 20. So Psalm 46 are written by the sons of Korah, probably their priests and singers. And the message of this psalm focuses on trust, trusting in God in the midst of calamity, comfort from God in the midst of uh, stressful times, and ultimately it talks about the glory of God. So we would like to learn from this psalm what we can, what we should, how we should look at God in the midst of the crisis that we face this day. So I'd like to share to you two main lessons from this psalm. The first lesson from Psalm chapter 46 is this. In the midst of terrible calamities and disasters, God is our true source of security, strength, and support. Again, in the midst of terrible calamities and disaster, God is our true source of security, strength, and support. And I'd like to read to us the passage in Psalm chapter 46. I will read from verse 1. To verse 5, and you can follow along. It says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roam and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. She shall not be moved. God will help her when morning dawns. What do you consider as severe devastating acts of God? Now, some single people would say not being able to find the love of your life. And some naman pag married, they will maybe say, um, you know, being married to the wrong person, right? Well, uh, isn't it our choice who we marry, but it's easy to put the blame on God. But kidding aside, no, we face various levels of disasters that are out of our control, which we call acts of God. For example, on a personal level, some of us have accidents or fall ill, and it affects our physical, emotional, and spiritual well-being. On a communal level, you know, um, a fire in a neighborhood, that uh, destroyed houses of families, uh, flooding is equally devastating, earthquakes, volcanic eruption. Okay, on a national and global level, maybe uh, something like uh, the flood during Noah's time that wiped out all human race except for his family. Uh, the hurricanes or tsunamis that wipe out cities and pandemics like the Black Death, SARS, and now even uh, COVID-19 on a global level, disasters that take lives and destroy uh, human existence. I remember many, many uh, moons ago, many years ago, when Yolanda hit our nation in Visayas area. No, and uh, some of the students came over to Hope Christian High School to stay. And we were listening to their 
stories they recount in the midst of tears, right? They have experienced great loss. Their houses were gone. Their properties were gone. They were displaced, separated from their families. Um, some of their loved ones are lost in the sweep of uh, water. There was devastation, destruction, death everywhere. And that was the situation uh, during that time. And it's no different from what we're facing now. Thousands are getting sick. Okay, now it's nearing the hundreds of thousands. And also thousands are dying because of this pandemic that we're experiencing. It is something beyond our control. We can do our best, but we can only hope in God. Now, in the passage today, we see a similar picture of devastation. But the resolve of the psalmist is that they will believe in God no matter what. So when we look at verse 2 and 3, this is what they say. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roam and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. Even everything is destroyed, nothing stays, he says, we will not fear. A resolve to trust in God in the midst of difficult circumstances, no matter what. So when you are facing difficulties, is your tendency to have a resolve, to have faith in God? Or is it your decision to just give up and throw in the towel? Our experiences of disasters and difficulties must change our view of who God is. Our understanding of God is no longer the same as before, but uh, people gravitate towards uh, two extremes in the midst of crisis. Some people, they will choose to run away from God, to be angry at God and to hate God and to blame God. And other people, they will choose to draw near to God, acknowledging that they need God during this time of calamity, right? But we look at the psalm, and the psalmist here says that they're traversing the terrors of war and devastation with an unwavering faith in God. That's why in verse 1, they declared outright, God is a refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. So let's unpack that verse. Now this answers, who did they run to for security? Who did they run to for strength? Who did they ask for support to overcome the crisis that befell them? Now for them, like God is like a 911 call. No? And anytime, 24-7 person, you can call to for help and he will be immediately to the rescue. They call God their refuge. A refuge is a safe place for them to hide during times of war where they can be secure from attacks of the enemy. They called God their strength or the source of their strength to survive this season, to persevere through the difficult time, to overcome and be a people again. And also they call God their very present help, support that just comes to them anywhere in Anytime. 
is your view of God like this? Or is it going the other uh, extreme? Now, the God of the Bible promised you, brothers and sisters, that He will never leave you nor forsake you. In fact, the Bible tells us that our God is a God who answers when we call. Our God is a God who gives grace to the humble. Our God is a God who grants wisdom if we simply ask. Our God is a God who works for the good of those who love Him, who are called according to His purpose. Our God is a God who will never abandon us, who was even willing to sacrifice His only Son for us, a God who promised never to leave us nor forsake us. So we can call out to Him. We can trust in Him to be our refuge, our fortress, our strength, and our very present help in the midst of disasters and calamities. And then we look here and we see grace being experienced by this community of faith inside the city of Jerusalem. And so this entire city, according to the psalm, rests in who God is and what God has done for them. Let's look at verse 4. It says, There is a river whose streams make glad the city of God, the holy habitation of the Most High. God is in the midst of her. He shall not be moved. God will help her when the morning dawns. This passage speaks of a river of God in the midst of the city. Now, whether it is a physical one, the Jordan River, or maybe a spiritual one as described in Revelations 22, the river of God that flows from His throne, whichever that really refers to, it indicates a city that is enveloped by joy and peace because God is there with them. Okay, now we know about King Jehoshaphat, and King Jehoshaphat is a good king. So he was able to um, get rid of the high places and uh, seek the greater glory of God. And so this is a city now that is devoted once more to God. And so they're looking for the deliverance of God. But Jehoshaphat did one uh, wrong thing, which is his um, ungodly alliance with a foreign king. But we are not into that today. But there are also a list of bad kings in Israel, kings who led the hearts of the people astray. And so good kings lead the people to fear and love God. And so God's protection is upon the city. But bad kings, they lead the people's hearts astray from God, and the results are devastating. Okay, they will be facing the wrath of God. But you and I, we are no longer under the wrath of God. How should God's people respond when calamity strikes hard on our doors? You and I, we are the people of God, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, rescued from darkness into light, citizens of His eternal kingdom. How will God respond to you when you seek Him with all your hearts? So what do you run to? Whom do you seek? when disaster knocks at your door. 
How do you fare in comparison to others' faith in God? How do these things you run to fare in comparison to God, our true source of strength, our true source of security, our true source of help? Now, what truly hinders us from approaching His throne of grace with confidence? Can we find a better alternative than God for help? So again, God is our true source of strength. God is our true source of help. And God is our true support in times of disasters. Now, the second important lesson I'd like to highlight in Psalm chapter 46, that in the midst of war and chaos, God assures us of His abiding presence, power, and purpose. Let me repeat that. In the midst of war and chaos in life, God assures us of His abiding presence, power, and purpose. Let's look at verse 6. And I'd like you to follow after me as we read. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters His voice and the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. Come behold the works of the Lord. How He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What evil acts of human beings today still surprise you? Earlier on, we talked about disaster acts of God, but there is another source of crisis, which is man-made disasters, which are consequences of our rebellion against God. And so we cannot say they are worse than us because the Bible tells us no one is righteous, not even one. Right. So the wickedness of men is also a source of great pain for all mankind. Now we are losing our fight against injustice in our day and age when we talk about uh, stopping discrimination, having world peace, you know, uh, respecting human rights. Yet, there are gross injustices happening around us day after day. Violence, murder, attempts of murder, sexual assault, uh, uh, physical harm, robbery, and the list goes on and on. This happens on and on all around us. And it's filling our news in every country. Just last week, there were uh, two men on a motorbike who shot this uh, Chinese businessman in Ongpin Street. And he was, and they grabbed this bag. No, to get his bag, he needed to end his life. No, and that is more fearful when people intentionally desire to inflict pain or cause harm to other people. No, one of our China ministry friends shared to me that 
the nation, the country China is very wary or afraid of biological weapons. And the reason was during World War II, they were used as test subjects for biological weapons. So they have this uh, great fear when there's this kind of virus spreading. But when you look at the stories of war in World War II from the older generation, you will really wonder in your heart what kind of evil is men capable of doing, right? So my mom would talk about, you know, babies being thrown in the air and caught by a bayonet, you know, the bayonet, the knife attached to a rifle, or women just being dragged from their homes to be raped in concentration camps, and the list of stories of devastation and death during wartime is just appalling. You have, you, it has been documented and seen in movies that such is the terror that can be caused by men. And yet, that is not very far from us because terrorism and oppression still exist in our world today. Violence still exists in our world today. So is there help available for those who are weak and oppressed? In the face of the evils in our world, who can we turn to for help? So this, in this psalm again, they describe how they depended on God in the midst of war, being attacked by the three nations, Ammon, Moab, and Edom. First, they spoke of the dependable presence of God in the midst of oppression. Let's read again verse 7. It says, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. In verse 11, the refrain repeats, The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. What does he mean? The God of the armies of heaven is behind us, with us, accompanying us in this battle. He will rescue us for sure. And more than the walls of Jerusalem, the God of Jacob is their fortress, their protection. They depended more on the presence of God than the city walls. Now, who do you look to for inward and outward peace? God is dependable. His presence is with us. Second, they spoke of the awesome power of God to prevail over their enemies. When the nations rage and the kingdoms totter, in verse 6, he utters his voice and the earth melts. Come, behold the works of the Lord. He has brought desolations on the earth. He makes war cease to the ends of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns chariots with fire. The voice of God brings forth devastation. The earth melts. The works of God brings forth desolation. He destroys the enemies of people. He destroys the weapons fashioned by men. Yes, we are sure of the Lord's protection because He has promised to be with us. Finally, they also change of the unchanging purpose of God in the midst of crisis. In verse 10, and this is one of my favorite passages, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. 
I will be exalted in the earth. What does the psalmist mean by this? The true it all, the devastation, the wars, the battles. Ultimately, we seek the glory of God. His glory will be proclaimed throughout all the nations of the earth. And so the response is to be still, to keep watch, to acknowledge who is He is God. He is in control. He knows what He is doing. And He cares for you and me. Right? And so when we go through and persevere and overcome hardships, and we look back, and we realize the hand of God, that is a time we can see fully the glory of God. Brothers and sisters, a God-sized problem can only be handled with a God-sized solution. Whether this COVID-19 is an act of God or a man-made disaster, if you believe the conspiracy theory that it's a biological weapon, we have no answers. But God has. And that's why in uh, one of these uh, new songs that I love, he's called The Waymaker. During a younger days, we used to sing, God will make a way when there seems to be no way. He is the God of the impossible. So we can take courage because the God of the heavenly armies is with us. He is the one who will send his legions of angels for our protection and make sure we are safe and secure as we find courage in Him. Yes, we are in crisis. There are so many uncertainties, but we can find courage to move forward if we learn only to hold on to God. Hold on to God. Be still and know that He is God. So, we have said that in the midst of difficult times, disasters, okay, calamities, God can be our stronghold, our strength, our support. And then we can also take courage because um, in the midst of wars and chaos, God assures us of His presence. We can see His power. And most important also is that He is there with us. Now it's time for us to think through what do we do in the midst of waiting and waiting and waiting at home. First, take this time to pray. The Bible says that we should draw near to God and He will draw near to us. The Lord is a merciful God and He listens to the prayers of His people. So as you pray, don't forget to pray for those who are directly affected by this illness. There are still patients in hospitals struggling for their life. Their families are also directly affected. Those health workers that are taking of them are also severely affected. So we want to pray for them, even the families of those who died. And those that are indirectly affected, okay, those people that are in quarantine, people's businesses, the economy of the nation, there are, there are things that are indirectly affected by this global crisis. We also need to pray for the authorities God has placed over us. It's not easy to lead a nation 
or people to follow rules so that we will be able to contain the spread. Let's pray for our president. Let's pray for uh, those in authority, the LGUs, local government units. They have been trying their best, but it is not easy. We are not a very easy people to deal with. Pray for them. Pray for God's protection over them, that God will grant them wisdom in the days to come on how to manage this major situation. Pray also for medical professionals and law enforcers who are out there in the field. No, They are in the most need of protection right now. And finally, pray also for those in our society who will not be able to afford food, water, and medicine because they have no source of living because still lots of people in the Philippines are in the poverty line. They will be needing our prayers and our support. Now, not only is this a time to pray, it is also a time to participate. And our participation is best if we cooperate with the enhanced community quarantine. Right? Stay home. Wash your hands frequently. And when you go out, you need to cover your face. Okay? Washing your hands for 20 seconds. Okay, stay away because we don't know who among us are carriers of the virus. So you protect yourself by not being in close contact with people, but you also protect others if in case you didn't know and you are the one who is going to spread it. Cooperate with the quarantine. Follow the rules. Consider the greater good of the people around you. Right? We have to think of loving God and others. And the way to love others is by, you know, stopping the spread of the virus. It is not being faithless that we do this. It is actually being faithful because we are ethically thinking of the well-being of others by staying home. Thank God we have technology on our side. We can still connect and communicate. Show compassion if you can to people who will be needing help checking on your friends and those that you know. But if there is an opportunity for you to give help to those who are in need, do it. Because this is a time we need to really display who we are in Christ, to show forth our Christian love. And last but not the least, this is also a time to proclaim. And what do we proclaim? That we have a hope. To share and that is our hope in Jesus right because really indeed without Christ everything is meaningless we stay on with a purpose to live because Christ has set us free and as we witness the glory of God in the midst of this crisis let us speak of his glory let us share to others what he is doing in our life Psalm 46 is a reminder that there is a God we can count on in the midst of crisis and disasters. And He is a God who cares for us and loves us. As you wait, you are not waiting for nothing, but you are waiting to see the glory of God. May God strengthen you in faith, and may God also strengthen your resolve to trust in Him no matter what, and to show to others what 
Christ's love is all about. God bless you.